Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 287 with a review of the Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us the first time, the uh, Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, and we are talking about the Grand Budapest Hotel. So, Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing not too shabby. <laughs> trying to figure out how to close my garage door uh, but you know that's neither here nor there <laughs> or is or is it everywhere yes it's here there and everywhere screaming infidelities taking its where anyway <laughs> <laughs> nice call how back are you doing many years how... ago <laughs> yeah it brings back it's everything is just vindicated with that <laughs> that was another dashboard reference <laughs> Uh, well, at least I got the first reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyways, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing well. You know, I'm, I'm uh, recovering from reading that lovely review on iTunes. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was pretty lovely, right? Uh, I actually thought it was kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, you know. I, I like to think I wasn't in the episode that he listened to. <laughs> <laughs> it, w- well, it was sometime in January, so it's a possibility that uh, he was listening to the end of year recap episode. <laughs> That is true, yeah. But who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll just say. I mean, it, that it, that would be a doozy to start with. I'll I'll, I'll give him that. That was like two two hours long or something. Yeah, but you know, what, what's wrong with us uh, being entertained by ourselves? I mean, if, if I, we... you know, I listened to like slash film and things like that, and they had pretty long end of the year recaps too. They they laughed quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you can't enjoy yourself, how is anybody else supposed to? Look, if you Enjoy. can't laugh at your own jokes, how are you going to get to be the host of The Tonight Show? <laughs> yes. Because Jimmy Fallon does it all the time. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I, I think I think just to have reviews on iTunes is always a good thing, even if they're negative. Um, and, you know, hopefully people find that review not helpful. <laughs> Yeah, and if you are the guy that wrote the review, I'm glad you're listening again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, like, if you, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't hate this podcast that much if you're listening and you gave us that one-star review, but uh, whatever, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with any of this. Um, you know, we're too good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I would it's never, your loss. I, I, would, I would never claim to be too good for anybody. Um, because as much as I enjoy myself on the podcast, you know, maybe I don't enjoy myself in real life. <laughs> <laughs> maybe th- this is the one place I get to be happy with who I am. Yeah, and you took that from me. So yeah, you're here. You're here to ruin that. <laughs> I can't find your username right now. <laughs> um, I, I I hope you sleep well tonight, guy. Yeah. Or girl. Maybe he just has a guy name on, so people don't know it's a chick. Yeah, but. Good sticking with your intri- uh, instincts. Call it he, no matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're a dude if you wrote that review. You're you're officially a you're a bro. No, all reviews welcome. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, what's uh, great is this is completing a uh, a conversation that was in another episode. <laughs> so people listening right now probably don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> that, that's... You know what, I honestly, I did not even consider that. <laughs> so if you're listening to this episode and you didn't listen to our Muppets review, um, d- during the course of that review, Stephen informed me that there was a pretty interesting review left in iTunes on our show. 
um, that I went and read in between these two episodes that we're recording. Um, and that's what we're referencing now. So there you go. Thanks, thanks a lot, Dashbug. <laughs> uh, was that review a confessional of his? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's an example of me enjoying myself way more than I should. Um, Look, I enjoyed you too. <laughs> well, thank you, Stephen. And I think people want to hear us enjoy each other. Yes, I well, <laughs> that's 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 a different group of people on the internet. Um, but speaking, anyways, speaking of creative masturbation, we're here to talk about Wes Anderson films. Exactly, and, and you know, to put this review in context, I, I believe uh, a few weeks back, um, back when this was you know in in a more limited release. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you not text me, Stephen, and say that? Uh, you're pretty certain that if I do not like this film, I just don't like Wes Anderson stuff. <laughs> yes, I, I do believe that's what I said. All right, so uh, that's a little bit of spoiler for your review, I think. Um, but <laughs> it, it th- this this review will be a test to uh, validate the claims that I do or do not like Wes Anderson stuff. So, Yes. Are you ready for this, Stephen? Oh, I'm ready. I was born ready. Without further ado, let's uh, take a listen to the trailer for the Grand Budapest Hotel and then come back and let everybody know what we thought. Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Who wouldn't? At the Grand Budapest, sir. And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training under the strict command of Monsieur Gustav H. <laughs> Many of the hotel's most valued and distinguished guests came for him. I love you. I love you. She was dynamite in the sack, by the way. She was 84. Mm, I've had older. This was also when I met Agatha. She's charming. She's so charming. Is he flirting with you? Yes. I approve of this union. I became his pupil, and he was to be my counselor and guardian. The police are here. Tell them I'll be right down. She's been murdered, and you think I did it. You're looking so well, darling. You really are. I don't know what sort of cream they've put on you down at the morgue, but I want some. This is Madame D's last will and testament. To Monsieur Gustave H. I bequeath a painting known as Boy with Apple. Wow. What? Who's Gustave H? I'm afraid that's me, darling. If I learn you ever once laid a finger on my mother's body, living or dead... I go to bed with all my friends. We need to make a plan for your survival. Hide this. It's in code and you might need a magnifying glass to read it, but it tells you exactly where and how to find Boy with Apple. I'm a baker. I'm not a fence, if that's the term. May I offer any of you inmates a plate of mush? I want roadblocks at every junction for 50 kilometers. I want rail blocks at every train station for 100 kilometers. Get in! I want 50 men and 10 bloodhounds ready in five minutes. can't arrest him simply because he's a bloody immigrant. Take your hands off my lobby boy! Have you ever been questioned by the authorities? Yes, on one occasion. What, what, what? I was arrested and tortured by the rebel militia after the mm-hmm. desert uprising. Right. Well, you know the drill then. Zip it. All right, so you just listened to the trailer for the Grand Budapest Hotel, and uh, it is basically the story. It it is it is a story being recounted to another person of uh, the current in the 
chronology of the film owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel talking about how he went from being a lobby boy to being the owner of the hotel. And it's a Wes Anderson film, so the story will be told to you in a very quirky way. <laughs> in a beautifully framed... Uh, yes. <laughs> in a Wes anderson way. Yes. So, Stephen, how much did you love this film? I loved this film very much. <laughs> um, okay, so if anyone has listened to me before, in particular in reviews of things like... I don't think I was on the Moonrise Kingdom recap, but I was at the end of the year recap where I listed it as my number two movie of the year. Um, and yeah, so if you're aware of me, you you would know that I very much enjoy Wes Anderson's style. Um, I just think there, there's something so impressive to me about a filmmaker who you can literally look at five seconds of a movie of his and know without a doubt, like, this is a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Um, this is his vision. This is his cinematography, his color palette, his style. And I just think the fact that there exists a filmmaker with such a very singular vision, like a well-defined aesthetic that people gravitate towards is to me very cool. To my recollection, I can't think of another person with such a very clear style, like who's kind of built something new and unique from the ground up. Yeah. uh, The way that Wes Anderson has. (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You can say that with a straight face. You can cut. You can cut that or leave it in. I don't really care. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, I'm aware. I'm aware of the criticisms you could levy at that. Like it's so easy to parody a Wes Anderson movie. Um, I don't know if you saw the Saturday Night Live skit uh, of the horror movie. I think you did. I think you might have sent it to me even. Um, <laughs> I think I did, but I don't remember it. I think the, the, I sent it to you without even watching it. <laughs> the the Wes Anderson horror film. Um, with Edward Norton playing Owen Wilson. Uh, and it, it basically, like, it just completely nails the style and all the tropes and the predictability. And, and so I can completely understand how a person could look at these movies and if they didn't resonate personally, completely dismiss it, right, as this kind of artistic nonsense, like this guy that's so full of himself making this thing that's quirky and predictable and blah 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 (laughs) so you might say that wes anderson likes himself enough for everyone (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) i think he likes himself enough for everyone but unlike dashbug i (laughs) (laughs) the reviewer of the spoiler warning um i also like wes anderson very much so this movie to me was just everything that i love about him um I mean, the the cinematography, like always, is just perfectly executed. I, I mean, you know, the color palette is beautiful. The way it will frame shots, the way that the backdrop will be so clearly two-dimensional, like the world will be so flat. Yeah. And then characters will just kind of pop out in them. And I, I don't know, things like characters peeking out of windows or suddenly zooming in really close to them from far away. All of that was just so much fun to me. And whereas before he's normally done this in the context of like a a kind of quirky indie comedy, like a fairly low-key film, here it was a kind of large-scale madcap caper. 
<laughs> like it was actually very <laughs> it's the only way i can describe it it's a caper like it's a very it's a very quirky mystery adventure where a lot of things happen uh you know there's violence <laughs> there's slapstick humor there's visual gags and somehow in this context in particular, all of it just worked for me so completely. Um, I, I mean, every person who's ever been in a Wes Anderson movie that I can recall is here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty you've much. Got, plus new ones like Ralph Fiennes, for instance, who knew that he could be a funny person? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think of him as Voldemort, <laughs> basically, I, or he who must not be named, excuse me. Um, <laughs> yeah, get that right. Yeah. Uh I mean, William Defoe was hilarious as a bad guy in this. Uh, Jeff Goldblum makes me laugh every time I see him. Bill Murray's cameo, <laughs> like just everybody in this movie, like the the style and the humor and the quick kind of frenetic pace of the movie just worked for me so well. I, I mean, the I, I think it was captured pretty well by the soundtrack, which was a very um, upbeat and rhythmic kind of like a train chugging along uh, yeah. i don't really know how to describe it uh and there was a moment in particular where they're up they're up in a ski resort uh, meeting with a person where the soundtrack is pulsing to a rhythm and the thing that they're riding up the mountain is like ricketing back and forth the same rhythm yeah and everything that's happening is kind of matching that beat uh and, and to me that was this whole movie it was just what like an hour and 45 minutes or something of non-stop just fun uh yeah i mean i i really enjoyed this movie i thought it was a lot of fun and i think if you don't enjoy his style you wouldn't necessarily have a reason to enjoy the film but if you do enjoy it to me then it was just just a blast uh, yeah yeah what did you think of it I mean, like that, that totally makes sense. Um, and so Wes Anderson stuff is sort of hit and miss for me, obviously. Uh, you know, we talked about on the podcast that I wasn't the biggest fan of Moonrise Kingdom. Um, and it, it, it just... Okay, so here, I, I, I tried, I've been trying to th- think about the way I view this stuff. And the best example I can, I can say is that I... I genuinely love Wes Anderson's style. I just don't necessarily connect with the film as a whole. Um, And I think it comes down to what he presents on screen is enjoyable. I love what he's doing. I just get fatigued very quickly watching it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I need to be grounded in... Basically, I need to care about the characters and what's happening more than the way it's happening and how i'm viewing it happen right so so i imagine you would enjoy like a rushmore type film i haven't seen rush i haven't seen rushmore um Mm -hmm. but i i enjoyed real tenenbaums i actually enjoyed life aquatic um fantastic mr fox is freaking amazing yes I, (laughs) i love that movie to no end um i think that's like one of the universal movies that you can put on and you will never find a person that can't love that movie watching it. Um, so I, I want you to finish your statement, but I will add, because I'll be curious in a second. To me, this movie was the most fantastic Mr. Fox-ish of any of his live action ones. Uh, in, 
in the way that there was kind of this big adventure and kind of comical things happening and the scope of it was large rather than like kids getting lost or a person in love uh so i i would actually be kind of surprised to hear if you loved fantastic mr fox but didn't didn't resonate with this one well here's the here's the thing is that fantastic mr fox you know and i'm not just making a pun off the the title of the film It, it it is a it is literally a fantastical story like it is it is this you know it's stop motion it is the story of this fox like it, it is it it exists in a fantastical universe that is not analog to the world we live in in any way whatsoever you know what i mean like there's there's no attempt to be reality it's just fantasy um and a lot of Wes Anderson's other stuff, while it clearly exists in a fantasy world, it's people, it's real events surrounding uh, what you're seeing. So to to me, like I, I found this movie incredibly entertaining. Uh, I, I had a great time watching it. Um, I did care somewhat what's happening to all the characters. But at the same time, th- there's a little bit of disconnect. It, it's, I'm so, I, I feel like the zaniness, the fantasticalness, sort of undercuts the narrative in a way, uh, mm. to to where, I like I really want to care about narrative in a story, and this, I I don't want to use like the phrase style over substance because I think Wes Anderson bakes in a lot of uh, uh substance into his stories. Uh, semi pun intended, I guess, because there's baking in this. Um, but wow, that is a long stretch. Hats <laughs> <laughs> um, off to you. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, shoot, now I just lost my train of thought. Um, hey, there's trains in this movie too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but no, like it. it, it oh, no, I'm, I'm totally fully blanking on what I was saying now. Um, shoot. I'm gonna have to edit this. Shit out of this. <laughs> no, leave it in. <laughs> um. Anyways, I I just I I really enjoyed it, but I I think over the not even over the course of the film, but by the end of it, I wonder why I just watched what I watched. Um, mm-hmm. like what is the point of what I'm seeing other than just to be entertained? And and that sounds like the stupidest question. Like I. <laughs> Like if you go back to you know you know two reviews ago of a review of Need for Speed, that is the stupidest movie ever made, and I loved it so much. Um, <laughs> and and it because it's just damn entertaining to me, and it, it was a great time. And this film is has this amazing flourish to it. The, the way the narrative is told is amazing, um, but I, it's it's so unbelievable because it's. Mm-hmm. It's inherently an unbelievable, like it, it is a non-believable story because yeah, it's just fantasy and, and zaniness and um, that's fun. But it's like, I, I want to see this movie in five minute sketches and not a two hour solid narrative. Um, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, I can't explain so, it. So, so do you think it's similar to the way uh, when we reviewed American Hustle, then you also had this feeling that this is a stylistic very entertaining film that was just missing something that would make you want to go back and remember it. Uh, if I'm remembering right, I, I think that was your feeling about uh, 
O'Russell's film too was that it was so much fun but without a point to back it up. Yeah, but but uh, it, it it's it's a little bit different feeling. It, it's similar, but but in in American Hustle like the narrative made sense. I just didn't buy that any of that was actually happening. Like it it was it was not it was not believable and the and I don't think this the story did a good enough job of filling me in on the details of like the operation that was taking place and and stuff like that. So it, it, like the story was missing details. In this, we have all the details. Like all this stuff is playing out before us. Um, but it's it sort of, I don't know why that story is being told. Like obviously in American Hustle, like I know why the story is being told. It's like the story of you know bringing down all these guys. Like that's it. The elevator pitch for that movie it sums it all up. It, it's just a matter of how well that story is communicated. In this, it's like, let me tell you the story about how I went from being a lobby boy to owning this hotel. Mm-hmm. And that story is fun and I enjoy it. Uh, but I like, it's not I like if you live through all that stuff, I guess it's sort of a profound story for you, but like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I no, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from because I, the, so I watched this movie twice, actually, uh, because I saw it alone last weekend and then a bunch of friends wanted to see it this weekend. Um, and the people I watched it with, one of them was very similar to you where he found it, he found it enjoyable, but I think he used the phrase like tiresome after a little while, um, in that it was so much fun happening, but there wasn't really, there wasn't a deep heart to connect it to. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I actually, I can completely see that case for this movie. Like one thing I loved about Moonrise Kingdom, which I know you also weren't the biggest fan of that, but I think you also saw it uh, in a kind of bad situation where you were with people that were kind of talking over it yeah it, it, right. it was definitely not a a perfect um it was not a perfect scenario and i walked into a place where it was playing like on tv or like like somebody had put it in and it was part way through the middle of it and i purposely avoided trying to watch it just because i didn't want to watch it in a coming in part way through and hearing people talk during it also again yeah yeah, because I think one thing that I really enjoyed about that movie is, so Wes Anderson style, the characters always have a little bit of, like, childish naivety to them. Um, like, it's very common that they'll just, they'll talk, they'll be very straightforward with each other, you know, talk quickly and rapid pace back and forth, kind of in a way that you imagine, like, little kids having dialogue where they haven't learned yet how to have a filter yeah. Uh, and so what I loved about Moonrise Kingdom is that it tapped into this like childish imagination and actually made the characters embody those ideas that Wes Anderson has. Um, and to me, there was like a sort of innocence and wonder that I really loved about that movie, which grounded it in, to me anyway, was heart. Because to me, it was just a story of two kids' imagination and the power of imagination and I think a lot of our reviews recently have made it clear that that's something we both enjoy. Yeah, uh, is is that story? 
and and this definitely did not have that type of heart um i do think by the end of the movie when he's narrating uh he's narrating the story of mr gustav uh, and i won't spoil it but he has some things to say about the character at the end that to me did still kind of tie the movie up in a bow uh, i mean there were some sentiments anyway that i that i liked regarding the characters but i i will definitely say that it doesn't have the same like childlike whimsy that the other movie had and i don't think i can point to one overarching heart like one big reason to care about the movie in the way that i would care about like you know her or short term 12 or before midnight or or those kind of movies that i look back on and just love the crap out of yeah. in a personal way um th- this is a movie that i can love the crap out of as a viewer of films uh but not necessarily n- not not in the same emotional way that i would love love something that touched me a little bit more yeah no, I, th- I think that's really what it comes down to. It's like, on paper, I should love every one of these Wes Anderson movies, like, without even fail. Like, it should work perfectly for me. But some of them, and, like, just, I, there misses something that directly connects to me in a way that um, makes me latch on to it more than just enjoying the presentation of it. Um and that's sort of something that I can't, it's like, it's like just a hurdle that I just can't get over. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with having them all be hit or miss. Uh, I still, every time I see a trailer for the next one, I'm still like, I want to see this movie, even though I know full well that when the credits roll, I might not have been on board with it. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but it, it's still like his style is fun for me. Like I, I genuinely enjoy it. Yeah. And I will say like, the closest thing I could compare this to, and I don't know if this makes sense or not, is this almost feels like like one of those old, like a Charlie Chaplin movie or something, if it had audio, where you're just <laughs> watching, where you're watching like antics, <laughs> antics yeah. happening in front of you. Um, and, and something is very fun about that. And so I think to me what what redeemed it in the sense that I, like you, usually need a heart in a film to really go for it what redeemed it to me is the the movie itself and imagining the director making it still carried that like sort of joy and whimsy that i could latch on to so um, you're, what you're saying is that instead of the movie needing to bring the heart to you you brought the heart to the movie i think to <laughs> me i wasn't there's no way to say this without being like douchey critic voice um <laughs> I'm going to try to say it anyway. To, to me, when I watch a movie like this, I'm not just watching the movie. I am watching... <laughs> I'm watching the the fact that a director is making this. Yeah. And, and that fact, like that meta story, is just very, like, joyful to me. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me happy. <laughs> you know, kind, kind of in the way that I don't know if you've ever read like the Axe Cop comics, if you're familiar with those. I, I'm familiar with it, but I have not read it myself. Yeah. So the premise of those comics is that this little kid, he, I think he was like four or something when they started, 
would tell stories and his older brother would draw them into comics. And when you read them, they would be very... They're a lot of fun because you know, like, this is the mind of a little kid who's, yeah. who's telling a story. And to me, the, like, the audacity uh, of Wes Anderson and the fact that he gets all these people on board to just tell this ridiculous, you know, zany story... It, it's just fun to me. It's like going to a theater and watching a bunch of people I know in a play or something. Yeah, yeah. And and it doesn't matter if that play was something that made me cry or taught me more about myself. Like, that experience, it, it's like a community experience. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I, I'm trying to justify because normally I would be on board with what you're saying. Um, normally I would be the first to criticize a movie that's like, all style without having a big heart to it and somehow to me it's just the the heart is still there it's just not in the plot <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> I know it, it's, I can't. it's in the craft of making this vision of storytelling i guess it's yes and and like that aspect of it i enjoy um but i guess it leaves part of me empty uh because I'm I'm aware of why I'm enjoying it, instead of I I don't know I I can't I cannot put to words my feeling as I watch these movies. So the uh, the Saturday Night Live skit that I'm referencing, uh, after it shows this trailer, then the first tagline is. The New York Times calls it. You had me at Wes Anderson. <laughs> Very nice. And that. That's actually true. <laughs> like, for me, that would be my review. And that... Maybe that's misleading. I'm, I'm certain he could make a bad movie. Like, Darjeeling Limited, I did not care about much at all, actually. Um, even though that film, like everything else he did, have has these stylistic elements. But it is the case that the fact that it is a Wes Anderson movie and the world that it inhabits is a world that I enjoy so much that I do think I I happily give it a sort of handicap that I don't give to other movies. Yeah, which is interesting I, that we just reviewed the Muppets film and, like, the Muppets is attempting to base itself on this fact that you have already bought into and love the Muppets to succeed and that film can't succeed in the way that this one does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, if it, it, exactly, and if this were like the Muppets, like, like if this were, I've already bought into Wes Anderson, and now we're going to put them on a zany adventure where someone has to break out of prison. Oh, that is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, then yeah, I'm going. I'm going to love it. Like, it it hinges, I guess, on this idea. Do you really love it? And I think for the Muppets, the answer, like you said, was, well, no, maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe I don't just love the Muppets. Like, maybe I did really need something more than that. Yeah. Um, and, and with Wes Anderson's style, I think the answer for me is yes. Like, I get so much joy from watching these movies. And I, I think in the absence of having a heart to the narrative, every other aspect of this movie was just cranked to 11 everything that i like about him um like i think the plot for instance is much more 
complicated than usual. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean in the sense that a lot actually happens. And, like, there are many characters interacting, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of fun visual moments. I mean, you know, chase scenes and dramatic encounters and a romance a little bit. Uh, the multi-layered aspect of it, even if that wasn't really utilized too much mostly just at the beginning and end yeah it, it's, it still it's a, has it's a semi-nested narrative yeah and, and there were little things too like the the filming style changed depending on where in the narrative you were yeah like it was that uh that fisheye camera during jude law's time i think it was a uh, narrative number three <laughs> i guess <laughs> i imagine you would like yarn like on a cork board like mapping out the story in this movie yeah joseph gordon levitt was like in slow motion fighting people yeah (laughs) we're talking about the right movie right yeah yeah, totally yeah in that one it's like a wide wide screen with this uh fisheye lens and then in the narrative beneath it it's like a more narrow like a different aspect ratio the color palette is different yeah uh there's a scene towards the end where he's recounting something that's in black and white uh, in a way that's never acknowledged, but somehow like that decision made sense to me too. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot going on here where it's a, it's a very audacious vision. And I think he really took everything that I like about his movies with the exception of maybe the, the childlike aspect and push them as far as they could go and didn't make it wear out its welcome at least to me i mean i don't know the runtime but it i never felt bored watching this movie uh to me it just flew by (laughs) like scene after scene i didn't feel like any character lasted longer than they needed to Uh, maybe one gag towards the end with with the list of hotel concierges calling each other <laughs> maybe like maybe it went one beat longer than it needed to i actually really enjoyed that no but exactly so even the meta fact that it went so many beats made me happy <laughs> yeah like it, that one could have like gone on for like 10 minutes and it, it would have continued to work for me for some reason i don't know why and, and this is a movie too where Unlike the Muppets movie, the presence of a particular actor is enough to make me laugh. Like, at least in my audience, people cracked up when they saw particular people show up. Yeah. Speaking of people, uh, you know, laughing at particular moments, uh, you know, you had a story about your screening of the Muppets. And I I had told you, I think it might have been off air that I had a story about my screening of Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, But... There's this guy in the theater sitting like three seats away from me who, uh, I mean, he was eating this movie up, but one thing in particular that, uh, I I don't want to say bothered, but it made me, it was weirding me out is anytime somebody spoke in German, no matter what, whether it was a joke or not, this guy would just crack up. Like, (laughs) and it, it was one of those things where he was laughing hard enough that I was like, do I just not get it? Like, does he know German and that's why it's funny to him or like is I I couldn't figure out. I don't know. So I I know a little bit of German and there were a few scenes like when. um, I I think when you first meet 
uh, uh, M. Gustav and Tilda Swinton is leaving and he's, uh, he's saying goodbye to her, then immediately shouts like, like, Ausgehen, or you know, which just means like, go, leave. Um, I, I think just the fact that he all of a sudden was shouting in German was a little funny. Yeah, and, and like, so, and there, there were several times too where like, like the the person would say the line in German and then the narrator would say it in English directly following it. There was like at least a couple times I think that happened. Um, so I was like, I don't, I couldn't tell whether, like, I, I think it might've been just that like they said a line in German for. Some of it was also kind of made up German. Okay. It, like it was mashing words together that wouldn't normally be mashed together. Gotcha. Yeah, but I mean, I, so for one thing, I saw this in the most, definitely the most like hipster theater in one of the most hipster cities. Um, <laughs> so I definitely was surrounded by people who even more than me were prepared to laugh no matter what at the fact that it was a new Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Like even before my first screening, which was. So last weekend, it was very limited. So, like, people were pretty excited to get to watch it. Um, and I was sitting next to this other guy who turned to the couple next to me and said, Oh, you like Wes Anderson, too? I love Wes Anderson. I'm the biggest fan. I'm so glad to meet someone else who loves him, too. Isn't he great? And, like, people like that made me not want to like this and and that guy wasn't saying it like ironically or trying to be funny. No, no, I think he just he thought that it actually made him like intellectually superior and glad to find someone who met his match. <laughs> now, kind that I can speak with. Yeah, finally my kind. Which of course is silly. Like a lot of people enjoy these movies. Um and, and the thing is I can see a cynicism easily cropping up with this sort of thing. Where I would look at a phenomenon, this particular, you know, emperor, Wes Anderson, having no clothes, where just no matter what he does, he'll throw the same routine over and over again, and audiences will still laugh. Yeah. Like, it, if he wasn't so damn talented, it could easily be, like, like the next Medea movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, where it's just no matter what, you put a few actors in there, and you get the same butts in the seats every time. Yeah, yeah. But he's just so, so inventive to me. And every, the way that every shot is just like kind of handcrafted and a little, every shot is like a painting sort of, and things pop out in just the right way. And the visual gags just work so well to me. Um, I mean, there's a scene where Jason Schwartzman is talking to Jude Law and all of a sudden he has to run away. (laughs) But instead... (laughs) That was, like, my favorite moment. Yeah, yeah, but instead of just running off screen, he, like, dives under this counter and a door opens up. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like in The Wizard of Oz where, you know, the wizard pops through shouting, who rang that bell? And it's just, like, out of nowhere, just this guy pop. I don't know. It, there are so many little visual elements like that that just cracked me up in this movie. Well, um, yeah. I'm... Sorry, continue. I was just going to say that it's... Uh... I was just going to continue to embellish on that scene, yeah. but there's no need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I also thought I had more more straightforward kind of slapstick 
maybe slapstick isn't the right word. Like, what would you call the cat scene, for instance? <laughs> or or the scene during the prison break where there's all of a sudden a very quick battle that takes place. <laughs> a very gruesome battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was definitely more violent than other Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, people actually do die in these movies. Uh, I don't know. There. I could go on and on. To me, just there was so much like fun and inventiveness to this movie. I'll give it a pass on the heart card that I usually throw down <laughs> when there's a fun movie that just doesn't strike a chord with me. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I, I I don't have any more thing more to say about it because, like I said, I'm. I don't know. Nothing I said made any sense. No, kind, I think kind of like the plot of this movie. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> no, so the thing is, I'm. I hate that I'm agreeing. Like, I've already made a reference that we usually agree, and then Carson's the one that can disagree. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's probably safe to say that Carson would wholly agree with how you felt yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm sure Carson would like it. I mean, Carson. Carson is just very happy when X is the most X he can be, <laughs> whether X is Wes Anderson or. Uh, you know, Martin Scorsese or any other. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I I think we would definitely be in agreement here, but, but I completely understand this movie not resonating with you. It, it like, if I were to tell someone, if I were to talk to a person where the movies they like are predominantly like Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman movies or, Richard Linkletter movies or things that are all about like meaning and kind of quietness and tenderness. I don't think I wouldn't bring them to this movie expecting them to love it. Um, I would maybe bring it to them expecting them to appreciate the fun of it and hopefully kind of get an escape for two hours. But that's all this is. It's an escape. It isn't, it isn't making you think or introspect about anything it's like a chaser for your your dramatic elements of life yes yeah like if life gets too stressful then go and watch these these ridiculous people go on an adventure you know break out of prison grand illusion style i don't know yeah and i think that like if i were sitting down with both you and carson that i would vibe more with you like guys watching it as a group than Mm -hmm. like going by myself to a theater and watching it yeah i I can definitely buy that i i don't i don't know if this will win any new converts i want to think it will because i think whatever it is that defines his style here he's really he's cranked it up to the point where i think i think people unfamiliar with him would still find it fun Whereas I don't know that people unfamiliar with him would find, like, The Life Aquatic very fun. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, by I don't know, I mean they absolutely would not (laughs) find it fun. Uh, So I think, yeah, I I think to people who aren't a big fan of his, they should still give it a shot. Because as long as you're not looking for the most meaningful, endearing story... I think it's a pretty solid two hours, and it bore pretty well to a second viewing, even just six days later. 
Well, I, I think that's the thing is like there there's you'll walk away knowing that what you watched was fun, um, but you won't walk away with necessarily any meaningful. Uh, I almost called it remembery, um, but like the, the the story that unfolded in front of you, you probably won't walk away away with, but mm-hmm. moments and beats of the film you will and characters and 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 interactions between characters uh it's yeah but the ride is more fun than the knowledge of what the ride is made up of yes yeah that's definitely true you'll remember that was a fun amusement park hopefully you'll want to go back but you aren't going to be staying up at night thinking about x character or y character yeah or what if because really i i i alluded before that this is a violent movie so people die in the movie uh i mean the plot is centered around one person dying (laughs) um there are there are moments where characters just kind of disappear and the evil people are just completely evil you know, they are one-dimensional. Like, the world is only two-dimensional, and a lot of the characters are one-dimensional in this movie. Yeah, um, and, and by the way, real fast, you referenced a cat a, a few moments ago. Yeah. And, like, I didn't completely remember it, and now that I remember it, I think that is my favorite scene in the entire movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, the audience loved that scene. Like, <laughs> just, just the... I, I don't know whether the situation is the most funny or Jeff Goldblum's reaction to it is the most funny. I but, mean, I loved that scene, and what followed while the cat was still present (laughs) i I was not expecting that (laughs) that was good that was good stuff yeah my point being that even wes anderson isn't giving too much weight to these characters yeah 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 uh maybe a little bit to uh zero and m gustav like i think by by the end of the movie you're certainly meant to have a little bit even if not an understanding of his character, at least an idea that what he represents is meaningful. Um, there are a few lines towards the end that, at least to me, kind of evoked that thought. It it felt pretty nice, but yeah, it it isn't about it isn't about the characters or about the story in particular. It's more just about the the entertaining journey and the different pastels and uh, little snapshots that you'll take away from it. Yeah. I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Which is funny because that was my criticism of Walter Mitty almost exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this just did a... It proves that if you do a good enough job with it, then I will be fine with whatever I criticize. All right. Well, uh, should we get to our recommendations then? Yeah. All right, Stephen, if you're going to put this on our scale of uh, must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? I've got to give it a must-see. Um, I know there are people out there who might not enjoy this sort of thing, but honestly, I think it's just such a fun, inventive movie uh, with a very unique style. I, I can't imagine anyone being bored watching this movie. The only negative I can think is maybe they would be exhausted if if they really need to connect to someone. But otherwise, there's just 
too much to love. Too many great actors, great moments in the scene, great gags, music, the visuals, everything about it. Yeah. Must see. What about you, Chris? I'm kind of curious what you're going to give it, actually. Uh, well, I have several different recommendations um, based on who the projected audience would be. So, like, if the only Wes Anderson thing you've ever watched is Fantastic Mr. Fox, I would say probably pass. Because if you're only seeing this because you loved that movie, um, you will be in for a surprise. Because this is... It's, like, the same zaniness without any... It's 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 the wrong universe. It's to... just Mr. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> or it's just fantastic. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it, it it's the the fact that it theoretically exists in an actual world is undercut by how not the real world it is and having it not be stop motion puppets and theoretically kid styley um may be jarring to somebody. Uh so yeah, if all you've seen is Fantastic Mr. Fox and the only reason you are seeing this is because you're like, oh yeah, dude, Fantastic Mr. Fox guy, let's watch this. Um, maybe a bad choice for you. Uh, obviously, if you're in the camp of you and Carson and you're huge fans of Wes Anderson, this is going to be a must-see for you. Um, uh, if you're average, like just, just random person who's walking into it cold um, and you're just looking for a good time, I'd probably recommend it to you because it... Like, it, it's a fun time. Like, it's undeniably fun. Uh, if you're with a group of people, you're willing to, uh, or you're, 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 like, ready to laugh and just enjoy some zany-ass stuff happening, um, that, that, that recommend will turn out, it, it'll pan out uh, well for you. Um, for me, um, maybe a rental, um, because depending on your, I don't know, it, it, it yeah it's just that's everything i stumbled upon earlier in this review bring in now and regurgitate it and remember what i said because that's how i feel <laughs> Ooh, rental it's a little lower than i expected well it it's i don't mean that in the bad way i just mean that like it's like there was there was nothing I, like i enjoyed it but if i'm gonna watch it alone like i did Mm -hmm. there's nothing necessarily like it's not memorable enough for me to think that I should go run out to the theater and see this like it didn't didn't resonate enough with for, with me to it was no need for speed <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was no need for speed <laughs> but no it's it just there's there's nothing inherently big screen about it I guess um yeah I, I can give you that I, I think in general Wes Anderson is very little <laughs> I, I that, that's a weird word to use uh the movies he makes are very like small and finely put together so i would actually agree i don't know that the big screen helps a lot but i do think you must see it <laughs> so maybe that's a failure of uh of terminology yeah well i, I i've i've fr from the moment i created our, our recommendation system i was unhappy with it because there are some movies honestly that to me are the perfect rental <laughs> that I love very much. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so you've got your choose your own adventure from Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Depending on who you are, this is how how you should plan your day. Um, ba basically, if you wanted to see it, see it. If you didn't want to see it, avoid it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. 
and, and it, while it, saying must see, I will say if you didn't want to see it, I highly doubt it will win you over. Yeah, and, and if you're being dragged to it, but you aren't opposed to seeing it, then uh, sit back and enjoy the ride because it is, for you know, for what it's worth, it is an entertaining ride, and there are plenty of beats that uh, are joyous. So, and you get to see evil William Defoe. Uh, doing very evil things, <laughs> which who doesn't want to watch? I mean, honestly, yeah, that that that's really worth the price of admission there. And Jeff Goldblum just being Jeff Goldblum, like, I don't think I've seen Jeff Goldblum do anything in a very long time. Neither have I. So there you go. What more do you? That was my Carson moment where I'm just gonna list the name of actors. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, he he also wanted uh, me to mention how awesome the miniatures were in this movie. Mm. I no, I agree. I I really like that style actually. Yeah, uh, I like. Th- there there's a pretty awesome slope skiing scene. Yeah, yes, that's what I was thinking of. I didn't even know exactly how they made that. Is is it with stop motion and miniatures? <laughs> I don't know either, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool, and, and it is very much not what cg would give you which brings it back to this very unique unique look and feel it's like watching it watching a play unfold in front of you if you imagine that the people behind the curtains are like occasionally holding little puppets and toys and stuff and making them making them do things (laughs) I i don't know it's a it's a movie that there should be a curtain that closes at the end and there just doesn't happen to be a curtain. But it, it feels that way to me. Very nice. All right. Well, uh, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, facebook.com slash sdavidmiller, or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast at spoilerwarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show, including our review of Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash thespoilerwarning to figure out when the episodes go live, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to... Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Hey Chris, what do you call it when a spiritual leader is reincarnated as a bug? <laughs> what? <laughs> you call it a Budapest. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> or, or not awesome to somebody that might be offensive, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody's going to be offended. Okay, good. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me, Steven. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you guys all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this movie if you saw it. So we will uh, catch you in our next episode. Later.